You're listening to Mission Lab. Mission Lab. From our living new man, Rain. Here's our parents, Sean and Camille Brace. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Mission Lab. As you know by now, my name is Sean Brace, and this is episode, I think, like 89 or 90 or something like that. I don't pay close attention to it, but I am really excited today to have on a longtime friend of mine. Her name is Elizabeth Gagnon, goes by Liz. And so, Liz, thank you for being on the podcast with me. Oh, thank you. It's really a pleasure. I'm so excited. I know. <laughs> so I, I need to I need to do a long, drawn-out introduction because Liz and I have known <laughs> each other for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember exactly how old we, we were when we, we met, but suffice it to say, very young. Um, my dad and her dad pastored together, and then... Um, we ended up going to high school together and, uh, you know, we would like our families would be on vacation together and stuff like that. And then quite honestly, um, I kind of lost track of Liz and I'm, I, I apologize, Liz, for losing track of you. Um, I lost but... track of myself, so don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, that's, that's kind of right. why you're, you're on the show today, but yeah. it was really neat. So I think probably the last time Liz and I chatted before we did just recently was probably like, oh man, I'm going to feel really old, like 2000. That's yeah. like probably <laughs> yeah. around when it was. And yeah. I, every now and then I would hear a little a little bit about where where you were and mm. then I wouldn't hear much more. And then like out of the blue, at least I thought it was um, about a month ago, I see I have a message on Instagram <laughs> and it's from Liz Gagnon. And yep. she says, Pastor Sean Brace. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, wh- what are you calling me that for? <laughs> uh, so we have reconnected and I'm really excited to have Liz uh, share some of her story story with you. And so Liz, I'm, I'm just going to jump right in here. Mm-hmm. Um, just tell me, tell mm-hmm. us about your journey. Where have you been? What have you been doing? What's your story? Oh boy. Well, thank you so much for, for having me on. I'm, I am so happy that we have reconnected. Um, I would hear about you from time to time from, I think we've actually known our, each other I, our parents knew each other before we were born, I think. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. <laughs> so we go way back. Um, but, uh, you know, I would hear things um, about you and the the fact or the reason, I guess, um, I really felt impressed and led to reach out to you was because I know that you um, and have heard that you've just been really doing some real um, kind of innovative, different things, have more of a I don't know, a different approach to ministry. And um, so I was just really excited to, to talk with you. Mm. Um, so, yeah, my story. Um, <laughs> Where to begin, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think probably um, I was raised, my dad's a Seventh-day Adventist minister, so I was raised definitely in the church. Um, 
uh, really um, knowing from a very young age that there was a plan and purpose for my life. I think that's something that has that has stayed with me um, down all the you know down the roads that I have taken. Uh, you know, no matter how dark or lonely or bad they've gotten, I've always known that that there is a God and that He loves me. Um, mm-hmm. I think I've definitely doubted it at times, but um, you know, I think. Uh, I, I had this idea and plan of how my life was going to go. Um, I graduated uh, from a Christian academy we both went to, and then I went to um, a Christian college, and um, I got into a, a really bad relationship while I was there and ended up having to, to move home. And I was at such a low point then um, and just kind of so disappointed Um with the way things had turned out that, um, you know, I kind of started going down this road of, um, you know, that really led to my ultimate destruction. You know, I, um, I got, I, I sort of left the beliefs and values and ideas that I was raised with. And, um, I started using drugs and drinking and, you know, there was definitely some, some trauma and some really hard things that I went through that I think probably, um, precipitated some of the things that, that happened to me, but I basically, um, left and moved to Florida. My, my parents lived on the Cape, um, Cape Cod, and I moved down to Florida and I got into, um, working and that led to, um, making a lot of money and, um, a lifestyle that was very much based on materialism and show and trying to kind of, you know, fill the void that my religious experience and my, you know, Christian sort of walk with God, that, that void that it left inside of me, the whole, I tried to fill it up with other things, you know, parties and drinking and money and, um, you you name it, I tried it. So, um, it wasn't until I, um, turned 30, I had a bit of a, um, breakdown And, um, I went to treatment for the first time, um, that I kind of began to admit that I had a problem that I really needed some help with. Um, and so that started the sort of eight year journey of going to a couple of rehabs and detoxes and living in sober living, um, which is, you know, ultimately led me here to Portland, Maine, where I'm living now. So it's been a long journey, a lot of ups and downs. I would say that I'm a pretty credible source for, you know, if it's happened to, if, if you've been through it, so have I, <laughs> from jail <laughs> to rehab. To, okay. Yeah, I did. I went to jail for a night. It was not fun. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's been quite a journey. Yeah. So So you have been sort of in and out of recovery. Um, I think you were sharing with me and if anyone's picking up, there's construction going on in the background at my house. So I apologize for that. But, um, so, so you were telling with telling me that you've kind of been in and out of recovery, um, which is not at all, of course, uncommon. You've, you've done gone places for rehab and then you've, Mm -hmm. you've relapsed. Um, but over the past year or so, um, you've been, been sober and, and, uh, in, in recovery. 
Um, is that kind of the way, it, way, way it's unfolded for you? Yeah, um, I think it all sort of culminated um, December and in, in December, the end of November, uh, beginning of December 2018. Um, I had got to the lowest point that I had ever been. Um, I had been prescribed pain medicine when I for being in the in the hospital for a week, and then. Um, after that, uh, I developed a, an addiction to pain pills, which led to um, her- heroin use, which led to shooting up heroin. Um, and I just, after nine months of that, I just got to the lowest place that I could imagine. And finally, um, realized like I cannot stop this on my own. It had such a grip over my life that I, I really, I had kept it a secret. Nobody knew. Um, and I was, I was desperate. I, I, I knew that I would die if I didn't stop. So I reached out to my parents and some other very close people in my life. And, um, I went to rehab. I went out to Utah to an amazing, um, treatment center out there called Cirque Lodge. And, um, I stayed in treatment for about five and a half months. And that's really where I really, you know, I think oftentimes it's like we have to get to that kind of rock bottom, right? Or, or the real out of desperation and pain. That's where we can kind of go. There's only place to go is up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's kind of where I was at. So yeah, yeah then um, I had a little relapse after about 10 months um, because, you know, you always have this idea like, oh, I can do it one more time or, oh, you know, it's mm-hmm. not that bad. You know, this kind of rationalization that you go through. Um, and then I just was like, I, I really have to make a change. And so I found this place in Portland, Maine called the Grace House. Um, and after, you know, being in, um, the, this, uh, you know, eight years in and out of treatment and recovery or sobriety, um, you know, I had gone to AA meetings and things, but I had never really, um, done the steps, which is a big part of doing the steps. Um, the 12 steps is, uh, the fourth step, which is writing, um, basically, you know, every writing down resentments or things that you resent and then making a list of people that you've harmed. Um, and then, um, you know, writing this four step, which is a huge sort of undertaking. I had never done that. That had been like the one missing piece to the puzzle. So I said, you know what, I got to do it. I got to do it. I was willing to do whatever it took. So I came right up here to Portland, Maine and um, came to the Grace House and started writing a fourth step, um, which was very daunting. Um, it took me about five five months, uh, but I got a sponsor, and I, you know, I just started really, um, just I was just willing. I was desperate and willing. Mm-hmm. I have a a church member of mine who is who has been a sponsor and and been through the twelve steps, you know, himself multiple mm-hmm. times and. He points out to me that uh, recovery is not for those who need it, but those who want it. Yeah. And that's like, that's it. Like, if you don't want it, it's not going to happen. And Mm -hmm. um, there's so many people out there who, who do need it, but you know, you can't, it has to hurt enough for them to, 
to pursue it, right? Unfortunately, yeah, I think that that is, and I think part of it is just, um, there's just so many similarities. And I think a reason why that I've connected so much with the 12 steps and, um, AA is that there's just so many kind of parallels to um, spirituality and having a relationship with God that go along with, um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. this. And a, a lot of times they say, you know, um, action precedes understanding. You know, part mm-hmm. of it is like mm-hmm. being so willing that I'm just going to mm-hmm. do whatever I'm told to do, mm-hmm. um, even if I don't understand it. Like, how can it be possible that getting on my knees and saying a short prayer every morning and making my bed, how is that going to make a difference? But I'm told to do it and I did it. And it's, it's unbelievable how those hmm. simple things work to kind of transform you. And I think um, part of this journey that I've on been on since I've been here, um, you know, it's a lot of uh, you're really confronted with the truth about yourself when you work on this four step mm. where you mm. really see, oh, this is, you know, who and what I am, you know, because you're really t- taking a step to look at where have I been selfish? Where have I been dishonest? Where have I been self-seeking? What is my fear? Um And when you're able to sort of turn things around, you see this different perspective. And, you know, part of it is really just being able to get honest. That's Mm -hmm. really the birthplace of redemption, I think, Mm, is honesty. Um, And I had a real, real problem. I think that um, oftentimes they say, you know, you stop the drinking or the drugs and then you realize how sick you are, right? Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. Because just removing that doesn't make you better and part of the process that's been really pivotal pivotal in my spiritual growth and recovery is my ability to get honest, to get mm. truthful, to, mm. to stop the hiding, to, to let the fear go of just being rigorously honest. Because, you know, I was still engaging in these behaviors that were like, you know, kind of being dishonest, you know, saying, oh, well, nobody knows about this, so it doesn't really mm-hmm. matter. I'm going to kind of, you know, oh, I'm just signing off on my chore, but I didn't do it. Oh, I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it wasn't until I had a little slip when I was here that I had to leave for a week. And the owner, her name's Sarah Coop. She's just so amazing. And it's just helped me probably one of the you know, biggest influences in my getting better. But she said, okay, write a list of, um, before you can come back, I want you you to write a list of all your dishonesties. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And so I was like, oh my, I was, my palms were sweating on my palpitations. I was dying. Right. And so I wrote down the whole list, but I, and, and, and then she's te- she, she texts me back. I texted her. She texts me back. She says, oh, that's too bad, Liz. I really thought you wanted to get better because I oh. left two things off the list. Oh, man. And somehow she knew, right? And I saw, yeah. I said, all right, well, I I had to, and it, and it involved my sort of getting somebody else in the house, kind of bringing them along into my dishonesty. So I was just... Mm-hmm. But I did, you know, and my biggest, big fear of, oh, I'm I'm not going to be able to go back and she's going to be mad. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I sent it to her Mm -hmm. and she said, okay, like, come on back. You know, it was like this fear that I've built up about being 
honest and transparent, um, you know, just kind of disappeared and realizing that doing the things that scare us the most are really the things that give us the greatest reward. And it was, mm-hmm. and, and then I had to write another four step after that when I got back, cause you have to kind of start over again. Yeah. Okay. And, and so I did, and that's when I was really able to. And so I think this understanding of like, wow, I've been the thing that has blocked me. You know, mm-hmm. it hasn't been that God left me or that I, I didn't have the opportunity. It was really my own kind of self-delusion and, and pride and mm-hmm. fear, you know, that, mm-hmm. that have stopped me from getting better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of like a universal thing. I think addiction is kind of like a human condition, you know, mm-hmm. everybody's addicted yep. to something, right? Um, mm-hmm. Whether mm-hmm. it's food or money Mm -hmm. or the internet or Mm -hmm. sex or drugs or alcohol, you know, Mm -hmm. if it takes over your life and you spend all your time thinking about it and wanting it and being mad when you can't have it, then, you know, pretty much we're all in the same boat. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, that's so good. I love that. I just wrote it down. Honesty is the birthplace of redemption. That is so good. Really, (laughs) really good. Thank you. Yeah. So, so, um, man, so much to talk about here. Um, so yeah, my friend, uh, a mutual friend of ours, I didn't realize you knew him, but when we talked a few weeks ago, our, my good friend, Jim Mello, um, yes, I love he, uh, yeah, he's been on, he's the only person to have the distinction of being on this podcast twice. So yeah. that's, that, that, that shows you how much I think of Jim, yeah. but he, he points out that if, if the church could just do step four, like God's people, because mm. what we want to do is we want to be honest about everybody else's flaws, right? Oh, like yeah. we want to look at everybody else and, and point out, you know, their, their, you know, mistakes and, and their ways that they've been dishonest and so forth. But if, if God's people could just, you know, be there in, in step four and take an honest, searching, fearless inventory of our own challenges, like that could be revolutionary, couldn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that, um, that is, uh, you know, we all, we want to like tell, it's easy for us to tell other people's truths or to think mm-hmm. what, what they can do to sort of point the finger. Um, that's, you know, our sort of human natural inclination, mm-hmm. right? It's not, it, it's more like to be outward instead of inward, because mm-hmm. when you go inward, you have to, you're, you're faced with some pretty ugly stuff sometimes. Yeah. Painful and ugly. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you can make everything look really great on the outside, but once you go in and you take a fearlessly honest look at yourself, then you realize, oh, and we don't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. I Mm -hmm, still don't want to do it. I have to write inventory and, you know, I, I have a problem. Somebody upset me in the house or, oh, you know, I I don't know. But then when Mm -hmm. I have to look at it and say, oh, what's my part in it? What Mm -hmm. did I do to contribute to the problem? Um, Yeah. It just changes the whole dynamic. And, you know, in the, the big book, um, Alcoholics Anonymous, um, you know, it talks about 
how um, having, you know, you're able to have compassion for other people and deal with them as you would a sick friend. Hmm. compassion and love, mm-hmm. you know, and because re- you're realizing that we're, we're all in the same boat here. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So how do you, how do you, uh, cause there's a tension here because, um, how do you do that kind of personal inventory without beating yourself up? And, you know, as they say in recovery as well, it's not necessarily what's wrong with you, but what has been done to you. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, we, we, um, we're trying to, to kind of do these behaviors to avoid feeling bad about ourselves. Um, and so, yeah, how do we, how do we maintain that, that tension where we take the inventory, but don't allow that to move from I did something bad to I am a bad person who can never, you know, mm. be anything different. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I do. I think I spent many, many years um, of my life and experience uh, feeling ashamed and feeling guilty. Mm-hmm. And I believe that guilt, that guilt and shame and fear kept me away. Mm-hmm. It, ca- it separated me from God, from my family, from spirituality. Um, but I think that it, it also kind of comes from that place of like, okay, h- how miserable am I? You know, like how bad mm-hmm. have things gotten and what mm-hmm. am I willing to do to change it? And then mm-hmm. it's kind of like this understanding when they talk about this inventory, you know, when you do inventory at a, a store or something, right? It's like, you're just trying to see what's there. They call it like a, a fact finding mission, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but the big part of it is that, you know, before you're doing that inventory, you first step one, have to admit you have a problem. Then Step Mm -hmm. two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And then step three, made a decision to turn our will and lives over to the care of God as we understood him. So those, you know, three steps, you do those prior to doing Mm -hmm. the step, step four. And so I think that knowledge of like, I can't do this. I need help doing this. um, And really... It's all about love and understanding mm-hmm. that like everybody's picture of God is different. We all bring our baggage, our, you know, and and I think that changing the picture of God that we have to one of love, complete love, um, and compassion and understanding is what empowers us and enables us to do this and be productive with this inventory and not get sucked mm-hmm. down into the muck and mire of it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, anything, you know, if God is love and there's no fear in love, then anything that makes us feel afraid really isn't of God. It's of yeah, the devil. Right. And we don't, we don't need to pay any attention to that, you know? And there's something very freeing about after you do this inventory, right? Then you share it with somebody who's compassionate and loving or, you know, doesn't judge mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Right. So you mm-hmm. kind of are able to get it all out, to purge it all out. And then step six and seven is, you know, ask God to remove and become willing for God to remove all these defects of character. So it's kind of, you know, 
it's a, it's a process. It's not sort of just one thing, I think, but I think, you know, understanding that there's no condemnation um, or judgment coming from, from God. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, How do you, just in your experience, how do you find the church? And I'm going to use that just in a general quote unquote, the church, whether it's, Mm -hmm. You know, the Seventh-day Adventist church or the larger Christian church, um, but wh- whatever you've experienced, mm-hmm. how do you find the church generally to be as it relates to this sort of uh, honesty? And, um, you know, is is have you found the church in general to be a safe place to be honest? I really, uh, I think that there are certain exceptions to the rule, but I think Mm -hmm. that overall there has been, um, the the church hasn't really been a safe place. You know, it's, um, it's kind of, uh, doing all the right things and trying to, you know, look good to everybody else. Like there hasn't been a lot of vulnerability, Mm-hmm. And I think that that is just something that that is so important um, to realize that um, every we're all sinners. And whenever yep. we put ourselves in the place in in the in the judgment seat, we're we're really separating ourselves from God. We're trying to be God actually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. what it is. And, mm-hmm. you know, that is how it all began, you know, pride, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. In heaven. <laughs> That's how it all mm-hmm, started mm-hmm. with like, I want to be God. I can be the, the, the ruler of my own life. I can manage it. I want to be in charge. And whenever we want, uh, whenever that kind of takes over, you know, selfishness, self-centeredness, judgment, they just, they rear their ugly head and we want to focus on other people instead of, you know, that self-appraisal. That's so important. Yeah. No, you hit the nail on the head and it's, it's rather tragically ironic that, you know, our particular faith community, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, um, we especially place a premium on truth and um, which I think is important. Mm-hmm. But we don't see how that applies to and the implications of that for like personal honesty, like you're saying. Like if you if if you, you know, are are at a at a worship service on a, a Saturday morning, like you can't you you can't bring your honest self to that that worship right. service. You have to be somebody else. You mm-hmm. put on the mask, you say the right things. You, heaven forbid you were to admit that you're struggling with something um, yeah. because, because you know, like there's no place for that type of truth at our, our gathering. Um, I have a friend, I actually recorded a whole episode with him. It was about an hour and a half long. It was probably, oh, I don't know, two years ago. And it was his story of um, being a and even the terms I'm going to use here are going to be challenging for some people uh, of being a gay Christian. Mm-hmm. And um, he is a celibate gay Christian. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll 
I'll put that. But he was, he was the one who pointed this out to me, said, if I stand up in a church and say, Hey guys, I'm attracted to people of the same gender. Mm -hmm. It's like, Whoa, wait a minute. We don't have a place for that type of truth around here. Right. Uh, I actually recorded the episode and then we, I ended up not publishing it because number one, he was a little worried about it. Um, and then number two, I'm just like, okay, can my audience handle this type of conversation at this point? Um, so like, yeah, like never mind. I mean, this is a whole big discussion, but never mind our view on sexuality, just the, just the safety for somebody to be able to say, Hey guys, I'm struggling with this. Yeah. Like that's just not really present. It doesn't seem like in most circles. No, it, it it absolutely, you know, isn't. And, um, you know, this is, I, I'm taking a risk at sharing this, but I Mm. think it's really important. Um, and it kind of speaks to exactly what you're talking about. Um, and, and, you know, when I was sort of at the lowest point of my addiction, I was, I did a lot of praying. Like I had, I had Mm -hmm. this recognition of my need and, um, you know, I was, I was trying to, I was scared and I was, you know, reaching out for something. So I went home to, um, to go to church at my dad's church. Um, Mm -hmm. and I was so addicted to heroin that I couldn't really make it. I was worried about making it through this, the, the sermon. So Hmm. I am, you know, I go down into the basement of the church to the, to the bathroom and I'm shooting up heroin before I go and sit and listen to my dad's sermon. I mean, if you can't like the pastor's Mm. daughter is in the basement shooting up heroin, if that doesn't get, you know, I I mean, that's, that's what happens. You know, you know Mm. what I mean? Like everybody's, everybody's got something and that just happened to be what I was going through. But the guilt and the shame that I had around that, you know, was immense, enormous. But, um, you know, that's the facade, you know, that's what's, you know, we don't know what's going on underneath, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and in people's lives. So if if that can be something that happened to me, which I would have, you know, years ago or even three years ago, I would have said never in a million years would that ever Mm -hmm. happen. And Mm -hmm. I don't even know how I would treat somebody if now I would have compassion, right? (laughs) But before Mm -hmm. that, me actually having to go through that experience, um, you know, it's like, wow, how would I have reacted? I hope it would have been in a, you know, compassionate, non-judgmental way. And I think part of it also is that people's, you know, there's this kind of, oh, you know, we, we hate the, uh, the sin and not the sinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know that when Jesus was on this earth that he, he of course didn't agree with the sin, but he didn't reject mm-hmm. or shun people. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he didn't not go be with Zacchaeus, right? Like mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. his house mm-hmm. with him, mm-hmm. um, so it, it like he didn't separate it in the way that I think sometimes we do as Christians now, like at arm's length, keeping yeah, people at arm's yeah. length. I'm not going to go to where, where they're at, or I'm not mm-hmm. going to go all the way. I'll do a little bit, but I'm not going to yeah. really meet them where they're at. 
And I think that's, you know, you know, where we, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that phrase that is so popular, love the sin, hate the sinner. Again, my friend who I interviewed, he said, you know, that's, that, that actually doesn't land really well on the ears of people who are kind of on the outside. You may, you may, it may, it may, like it may be good intention, but what they hear is not what you think they're hearing when you use that idea. And so, yeah, like it needs to go beyond just the platitudes and, and just, yeah, being surface level with people. And I, I like to say this, Liz, like, um, so healing comes, uh, when we are fully known and yet fully loved mm-hmm. and, and that needs to apply to the community, you know, the, the community of, of Jesus followers. So you, you will only, you can only heal to the degree you feel known. You, mm. you feel like you are known. And so if you come into a, 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 a church circle, they can be really, really friendly, but mm-hmm. like if they don't know you, right? they're not going to, you, you're not going to actually feel that much love because mm-hmm. you think to yourself, well, if they knew I was shooting up heroin in the basement, right? they might be, they might be smiling to me right now, but if they knew that, right? So, so we need, that's why we need to be known by one another Mm -hmm. so that we can feel loved by one another. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, that just kind of to your point, just, um, you know, about loving the, the sinner and hating the sin, that's, you know, like when you really think about it, like our human nature make, makes us all sinners. Like we can't, the only one that can separate or can know or can differentiate between that is God. Right. Because he yeah. knows what's on the inside. He knows what's on the heart. We, we don't have the full picture and scope of people's lives mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. they've been through, what they're going through. And when you even putting ourselves in like, oh, I'm going to love the sinner and hate the sin. It's still putting it's still kind of based, I think, in pride and judgment and fear. Mm-hmm. And those mm-hmm. are just, you know, that you can't be seen and known and loved if you're if you're feeling shame and guilt mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and you're afraid. Yeah. You know, I, th- I hard. Yeah. And I think, and I've done it myself. Like usually that phrase, I'm, I'm loving the sinner and hating the sin. Usually that comes right before me saying to somebody, and this is what you're doing. That's wrong. And like, right, that is right. not, that is not going to move them in their, right. in their journey towards, you know, Christ is by, Having me, who has not won their confidence, who has not persuaded them that I have their best interests in mind, to to tell them what to do, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think if if I have lived out the reality of that, I don't need to even say it. I don't need to try exactly. to justify. Exactly. I don't need to try to justify why I'm telling you to do something. You're going to know that I have that I love you. I don't have to say it. Yeah, and I think that. We would just do because whenever there's a but involved, mm-hmm. I love you, but you know mm-hmm. it's 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 conditional, mm-hmm. and that's not a representation of God's love. His love mm-hmm. is unconditional, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this idea of you know we I think traditionally I thought that like conversion came after I did a bunch of stuff, 
Mm-hmm. But really, I think that, you know, conversion, true conversion, you're changed so much by love, by being willing, by surrender, by this kind of self-surrender to something that that you have this conversion experience. And that's mm-hmm. what changes you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's what yeah. that's what gives you a different experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want to um, kind of, I, I have, I mean, I have so many questions and we're not going to go on forever here, but um, two questions that come to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, taking kind of taking a, a, a step back mm-hmm. and kind of going back a little bit, um, and maybe this is a little more personal, but what are, what are the things that led you to, you know, you kind of touched on it, but the, the experiences that kind of led you towards the life of addiction that you were trying to kind of run away from, or, mm. you know, cope using these mechanisms, if, if, you know, get as, as broad or as specific as you feel comfortable in doing. Yeah. Well, um, I definitely have, um, uh, a past that involves, um, you know, sexual trauma and abuse, mm-hmm. um, that, um, you know, uh, led to abortion that, um, you know, I think that these kind of, uh, that the shame and the guilt of some of the things that, that happened to me, I think also this, um, you know, just not really loving myself, not having an idea or a belief that I'm, I'm worthy, which ultimately comes mm-hmm. from God. But, mm-hmm. you know, this kind of never really fitting in, always kind of friends with everybody, but not really close with, really, really close with anybody. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I, growing up in a very, very rule-based religion when I was very, you know, young, it was really about what you wear, what you eat, what you look like, you know, Mm, it was very much sort of based on that, which gave me, you know, a picture of God, you know, when you're telling a child to like, go be like Jesus, you know, Mm, you gotta be mm -hmm, like Jesus. mm -hmm. You know, that's a pretty high bar to set set for anybody. I wasn't able to maintain or live up to that. And I remember having this reoccurring dream as a child that, you know, every, the sky was like, Jesus was coming and everybody else was being lifted off the ground, you know, Mm. going up to Mm. heaven. And I was Mm. like, my feet were like cemented in the ground, you know, and and having this kind of fear, like, Oh, you know, I'm going to be left behind. But you know, that kind of those, those things, you know, stay with you and have a big, you know, impact, um, uh, on you as a child. And, you know, my, Mm -hmm. my parents have grown and changed and I think, you know, um, so as we all have, but yeah, I think our early childhood Mm -hmm. beliefs and that, that leads to a lot of that, you know, what happens. And I kind of had to get to the point where I said, all right, am I going to let the, the, the God, the picture of God that I had when I was eight or 10 or 12, am I going to let that determine my journey now as a 38 year old woman? You know, Mm -hmm. like I had to take some personal responsibility. I say, you know, who is God? What, what, Mm -hmm. what 
really, what kind of character does he have, you know? And mm-hmm. I think um, mm-hmm. my dad um, has this group of, uh, this studies called His Story. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, I've been going, I've read, I've done the whole thing, but, you know, it really talks about the character of God and who he is and that it's, it's about a love story. It's like that kind of intimate relationship that you would have with somebody who really loves you. And that's different. But I mean, I've, you know, that mm-hmm. anything that bad that's happened to, to somebody, you know, I w- um, has happened to me, physical, mm-hmm. mental, mm-hmm. emotional, spiritual mm-hmm. abuse. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those things affect you. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely coming to see that more fully myself. Um, you know, not, I, I, fortunately I would not say that I experienced most of those types of, of traumas, but, um, the fact is that we are all acted upon in ways that are not what God, you know, wished for us to be acted upon. Mm. And so we're, we're all, yeah, we're all trying to cope with, with the reality of a sinful world. Mm. And, um, and I guess that was going to be my next question. Um, you know, what would you say to the person who might be listening, who they're like, you know, what? I don't have any major addictions. I'm not addicted to drugs. I'm not addicted to pornography. I'm not addicted to sex. I'm not addicted to, you know, anything that, that are, are the major addictions. Um, you know, I would argue, and I'm sure you would agree that we all have addictions mm. on some level. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, and then maybe the person is listening or like, you know, I've not had any major trauma in my life, no physical, sexual, spiritual. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I don't think this really applies to me. I'm just going to keep reading my Bible and, um, I don't need this kind of recovery stuff. Uh, you know, how would you respond to the person like that? Mm-hmm. Well, um, uh, if they do exist, I'd like to meet them. <laughs> no, but I mean, look, I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I would yeah. say that, um, you know, the, the, the story in the Bible where, you know, the, the religious man was over set, you know, saying how <laughs> great he was and how, you know, mm-hmm. wanting to everybody else to make this show of how perfect he was, you know, mm-hmm. and it was the sinner in the corner, like, you know, um, mm, I'm home humbly saying like, I'm a sinner, like I am the lowest of the low. Right. Mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. so the, like God, Jesus came to seek and to save the people that were lost, not the ones that, you know, that, that didn't know that they needed a savior. So I think that mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. really just comes to this kind of like humility and understanding of the gift that's been given all of us and that we're all, um, human. And look, I I think that people that don't know their need or don't recognize it, um, or think that they don't have, um, you know, some kind of problem, I think to be self-deceived is one of Mm -hmm. the the biggest, Mm -hmm. the biggest snares that the devil has for us out there to make us think, oh, everything's okay. I don't have any problem with Mm -hmm. anything. Nothing's, you know, in this kind of it's, it's within, like I said before, that this like humility and truth and just saying, I'm a sinner, right? Mm-hmm, Certainly, mm-hmm. It, you know, if you're a rageaholic, you know, if mm-hmm, you're, if mm-hmm. you're mean to your wife or, you know, you're, you know, 
hating on your kids. <laughs> Look, mm-hmm. nobody's perfect. Mm-hmm. Nobody's mm-hmm. perfect. And so yeah. I think just, um, I think that the, I have the, um, the, the biggest burden for people that are kind of, you know, at the end of their rope, right. That are mm-hmm. just like, mm-hmm broken and needy and weak like we all are you know that mm-hmm. that need mm-hmm. a savior mm-hmm. right that's mm-hmm. kind of um that's yeah. when you can really grow and change and have something deep and mean- meaningful otherwise yeah. it just stays surface it just yeah. uh, you know because everybody has something from your childhood whether mm-hmm. you know you didn't get picked on the you know you got picked last right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um for the teams or you were teased or you were bullied or you feel like you don't fit in or, you know, so all of those things affect us and they affect our picture of God. Mm, Yeah. 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 I think, I think what I see is that there are plenty of followers of Jesus who will acknowledge in a, in a kind of a broad, vague sense. Oh yes, of course I'm a sinner. Of course I do bad things. And I, I, I commit sin. Um, but other than that, like, I don't really have a lot of baggage. I don't have mm. any wounds. I don't. And, it, and it's, and you know, they're kind as far as that goes. And like, but it's only like a, a vanilla surface level kindness that doesn't recognize the deep inner emotional yeah. reality of other human beings. And um, there, there's, there's like a, a, a not a deep sympathy or empathy for other people. Um, you know, we mm. might provide for people materially, you know, you know, we'll feed people who are hungry, but like, there's no, it's, it's not three dimensional. Mm. Um, and it's because there's so many Christians I find who, who have not done the real deep in, inner emotional work. And in fact, some might even be tempted to say, well, that stuff is all, you know, like, you know, um, you know, for snowflakes or, you know, Mm. getting into the feelings Mm. and like, yeah, you know, you had trauma from childhood or, you you know, like you say you were picked last, but you know, I don't, you know, that stuff doesn't bother me. Like that's, but I I think that's just denial is what I, you know, just because people don't know how to process it. Right. I, I mean, I think that, um, you know, self-discovery and knowing oneself, um, mm-hmm. understanding, um, you know, I would say if, if they're, you know, and, and some people really don't have the kind of emotional and traumatic scars that other people do. And I would mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. you know, yay for you, you know, yeah. that, that yeah. Re- you're really, really lucky and you're really blessed. And that, um, you know, but, you know, just turn on the news or like, I think that we kind of live and as Christians, you know, live in this bubble of like, oh, it's out there. It's other people. It Mm -hmm. doesn't affect us. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you just ask, you know, if you don't know somebody um, who's suffered from addiction or has overdosed and died, or, you know, you know, somebody, if they're not in your immediate family, then you definitely know about them, you Mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that there's a whole one of the real um, burdens that God has placed on my heart is um, for the for the parents and loved ones of ch- who have children um, mm. who have left the church or you know and who are estranged from 
spirituality and um you know because i think a lot of it comes from just um you know denial and uh not really knowing what to do or how to do it and not really having the the knowledge of um you know it's like it's such a hard thing to watch somebody you love go through that it's just like well Mm -hmm. i can't do anything because i'm kind of paralyzed by fear you know it's yeah. really, but it's a, you know, addiction and, and stuff is a, it's really a family disease, you know, it's just mm, affect yeah. and often yeah, it makes yeah. the people that are not the ones actually using the, the drugs or alcohol, they have to suffer more pain and, and, and trauma because they don't have anything to numb it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, They're actually mm-hmm, living mm-hmm. it. So mm-hmm. I think that, um, uh, you know, there's a real ministry for people, um, and for them to be able to, you know, they have a child who's, you know, homeless and, you know, or, or who's addicted or that they're worried about, but they have to come to church and they put on a brave face because they don't want people to know because mm-hmm. they don't mm-hmm. want to be judged. I mean, I know my parents, you know, the, the, the pastor and his wife have, a, has a daughter who's, you know, in rehab is doing yeah. heroin, you know, and they've really, um, they're so amazing and I've really Mm -hmm, grown mm -hmm. in my love and appreciation for them. But it wasn't until we kind of all really had that, that, that honest, like we were able to really be honest with each other when they came to a family week out in, um, in Utah. And then, you know, they started going to Al-Anon, you know, and kind Mm -hmm, of doing mm -hmm, their mm -hmm. own work. I think, you know, everybody has their own journey to to take but you have to be proactive about it you know faith without works is dead yes you know so it's like you you have to put in the action you know have the faith but you have to do something it Mm -hmm. costs something whether that's Mm -hmm. being vulnerable and saying how you feel whether that's facing the fear of judgment from your peers whether that you know you you got to do something if you want to get to the real part of the matter where healing can happen. Mm, yeah, man. So good. Thank you, Liz. Yeah. I, oh man, we could talk for hours and, and we're, uh, we're looking forward to having you come visit us here in Bangor. I know we're, we're hoping to have you come for a weekend I would soon. Love that. Yeah. Um, so, but we need to wind down this portion and I just maybe yeah. would leave this, leave this discussion with this question. Um, what, what do you, like, what does the future look like for you? Um, how do you, what, what are you hoping? What, what's, what, you know, what are you mm-hmm. hoping to do in the future? Um, obviously, you know, you're surrendered. God has, it's in God's hands, but at the same time, you know, yeah. you feel, I'm sure called to, to move in certain directions. Yeah, I do, um, feel a very, um, deep calling to, to help other, you know, people, women, um, uh, I've been very blessed to um, receive the help that I I have been given, and I think giving it away, the service is a big part of mm. uh, being of service to other people. Is a really good way to keep yourself well, <laughs> you know. Um, I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. really, I, I really have to pray the prayer every day, like Thy will, not mine, be done. Um, I don't know exactly what it looks like. I don't know what it holds the future, but I do know that, um, I'm not, 
from just looking at my past, I, I need a lot of help and guidance, yeah, right? I'm yeah, not, yeah, yeah. my will doesn't get me anywhere. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that kind of surrender, like I've made a mess in my life. I don't know what to do. Here's my life. Here's my will. Take it and do whatever you want with it. You know, if you pray that mm-hmm. prayer, you're pretty much covering your bases. And mm-hmm. that's what God can kind of say, all right, that's somebody that I can work with. So I just try to pray that prayer every day and just take action around the things that I can um, mm-hmm. and deeper my experience and um, with God and with those around me, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. And um, theoretically, that's what I say as well. But then as you no doubt experience, my will kind of gets in the way at times, right? Yeah. Sometimes I yeah. need to, you know, I take my will back and then I give it and then yeah. I give it back. And then, so, you know, it's not a, um, it's a, it's a, um, journey. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. we, we judge ourselves too harshly on mm. the, um, like the outcome mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of the effort, right? If you mm. really are, are, you know, asking for God's help and you're doing everything that you can, um, and you still don't reach the mark, then okay. But, mm-hmm, but you mm-hmm, don't mm-hmm. you don't have to yeah. be under this guilt and judgment because there's grace available. You know, yeah. if, if I could just offer anything, it would be just be that there's there's hope. You know, mm. like if mm-hmm. I can just be a message of hope from like I was lost and now I'm found. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I've really suffered and been through some hard times, but now I feel like I have some. God has restored me mm-hmm. to a level of sanity and relationship um, that I really never dreamed possible. So if mm. it can happen for me, I know that it can happen for, for anybody yeah. and it's possible. Yeah. yeah, that's so good. It make, makes me think of what I know is said in the recovery community as well. It's it's about progress, not perfection. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And we exactly. get really tripped up within the Christian world and, mm-hmm. and specifically our community of faith about perfection, right? Perfectionism. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And God is so merciful. And it was so incredibly liberating to me a few years ago to realize that God gives me permission to be imperfect. And right. like that was just a burden was lifted off my shoulders. And it actually counterintuitively, that recognition has the ability to actually bring us to greater growth is when we don't think it all depends on us doing it perfectly, um, which is the great irony. But yeah, Liz, thank you so much. I mentioned at the beginning before we started recording that I was kind of having a a little bit of a down day and you said, well, hopefully, you know, you can bring me some encouragement and you definitely have. So thank you so much, Liz. Praise God. I'm so glad, Sean. And you're doing a, you're doing a, it's, it's, you know, it can be, um, ministering for people can be a really, um, I I know when, you know, when you care so deeply for people, Mm -hmm. it can be hard, Mm -hmm. but you know, I, Mm -hmm. I know that you're doing a great work, um, for God and I really admire you. And I'm just so happy that we have been able to spend this time together. Yeah, to reconnect after mm-hmm. all these years to be able to say twenty years like makes it makes me feel elderly. But I um, know it. It's awesome. I'm yeah. looking forward to connecting again with you soon. 
You too. Thank you, Liz. Guys, thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. And I hope you've been blessed and challenged and inspired. And uh, we'll look forward to connecting with everyone again next time on Mission Lab. Have a great day, guys. Thank you for listening to Mission Lab. Our theme song is Portland Hike by Tiny Music. Additional editing by Chris Ogay. Follow us on Twitter at MLab Podcast.